Welcome to 51 First Dates. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And we are doing an experiment. And talking about dating. And love. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Cheers. Cheers. Hi, everybody. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And welcome to 51 First Dates, the podcast about dating. I just, you know, in the spirit of transparency, want to tell you this is the third time we have recorded this <laughs> intro, which is something that has not happened since like the very early days of this podcast. Yeah, just we're kept... not crushing it today, no. but mostly it's been my fault. <laughs> no, we just... The last one was definitely my fault. <laughs> the first one was my fault. I just kind of started looking at it my computer screen and I stopped saying words that would matter to any of you, but... Hey, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening, rate, subscribe, reviewing, being the coolest listeners on the planet, writing in your worst first dates, writing in your stories and your questions. Wow, wow, wow. But genuinely in our secret Facebook group and being so nice to each other and supportive of each other all the time. That group continues to be my favorite place on the internet. Me too. Um, And yeah, we have a great episode today. We are joined by Trey Ennis of The First Date Fix, and we have a really, really great conversation with him. Um, he's British, so you're going to enjoy listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Sorry you could be those girls, but, you know. No basic whatever. British accents are just better than our accents. Um, but, yeah, we talk about all kinds of things. We talk about dating in this, you know, wild year of life that we're living in, 2020. We talk about vulnerability. We talk about masculine feminine energies it's it's uh really great and he's super cool so hope you stick around and listen to it and you better better stick around it's the media yeah i mean i guess that's why you're here um (laughs) no you know i think today's intro you know we'll do a little housekeeping content consumption we'll tell you what we've been watching what we think you should be watching uh we'll definitely pitch our patreon because we love to do that. We're watching Dating Around Season 2. It's fun. There are recaps. And you're still donating to Feeding America if you support us there. Or, you know, honestly, if you'd like us to match your donation to another organization, we're happy to do that as well. And all of these things, though, we're also going to have a listener update about a question from last week. And then we'll have Trey. But you can tell already we are kind of loopy loopy on this Monday Monday. <laughs> but you know you're here. It's good. We're all gonna we're all gonna get through it. Um, I don't know, Kimmy. Do you have any? Do you have any content consumption and or other news and weather? So I watched Disclosure, which was very good, uh, very eye opening in terms of thinking about how important media portrayal, of course, of trans people is to our understanding of what being trans is just like quote unquote cross dressers from like the earliest films including the first film that like an edit a cut is used to advance a plot it's just really eye-opening for me um and yeah I, I highly recommend it it's very good very well done and I I watched it with date 13 and I think his eyes were opened a lot I think he yeah, not to shame him. He's a very progressive thinking person. But like, yeah, it's just really, it was eye-opening for me. I have not watched it yet, but I will this week. Um, I start, I watched the first 40 seconds at like midnight. And I was like, no, <laughs> go, go to bed. So I'm going to watch it this week. Um, my content consumption has been 
the same level of like kind of hot garbage. And Hamilton? Just... Did you watch Hamilton? Oh, of yeah. course I watched okay. Hamilton. I mean, I uh, devoured Hamilton. Oh, can I make a recommendation based on Hamilton? Sure. Because I think someone brought this up in some interview or podcast that like this is how Hollywood should be making musicals. Like they should be doing really high quality filmed versions of stage plays because it's cheaper and better. Mm -hmm. And also like so few, the theater is so inaccessible to so many people because it's so, I mean, Hamilton's a next level expensive, but it's expensive. It's expensive though. It's all expensive. And a lot of times it's, you have to be, in a city, a, a city with a, a large regional theater that hosts touring productions. Um, so it is fairly exclusive. And so a lot of people are saying, like, oh, my God, this is a thing. They should do Hollywood should do musicals like this. But I want to shout out one of my favorite musicals of all time. If you watched Hamilton and you're like, what do I watch next? It's this musical called Passing Strange. And it was it's this guy. He's this like I, I can't even describe him. He is a <laughs> middle aged guy who has like a rock band and it's about his life story growing up as a uh a middle class black man in south central LA and wanting to be um like this european intellectual and so he goes to europe and it's like, this whole crazy story and it's his real story the guy who wrote the musical it's his life story and then all these actors are around him while he plays this show with his rock band on stage and spike lee filmed it like in the style of hamilton it was i think it was 2006 or 2007 like, so how have i never heard of this this is so it's cool. so good and it regularly makes you weep um it's it's unbelievable and i started rewatching it again late night i keep I keep starting things really late at night and then being like spot idea but after i watched hamilton i was like let's watch passing strange right now um but i feel like it's a if, if you were loving watching hamilton and you want another musical that's like a cool musical like it's not like jazz hands and tap dancing like it's <laughs> it's rock music and um like this really moving story uh and like if you don't cry then you're not a human um the yeah so i'm I'm recommending that because i just feel like everyone should watch it anyway and it's it's such a moment right now with hamilton i will watch it i know i you know i i wept all of hamilton i was just like Ugh. i had seen it with my mom too when she was alive i was a very spoiled girl one birthday um i hate when people humble brag about hamilton but i just did it but more just like i have had such a memory that i actually still had the cup from the theater and so i made a margarita in it and like it felt like oh that's so nice mom and she loved it yeah. i don't know it was just like but it was emotional <laughs> yeah totally yeah oh yeah yeah well i want to check that out um I, I was also I talking about this with jeff i was like there are also parts of it that made me feel patriotic which was nice it's been a long time since i felt that way like george washington's farewell address is my favorite song and the whole mm. thing and it's just about how we're all responsible for you know keeping this nation together and creating a peaceful and safe environment for our fellow citizens and i was like fuck yeah like if that's not what this movement and this moment is about then like i don't fucking know what it's about you yeah. know it's like we're all in this together to make this a good society to live in so it was nice to feel like you know slightly yeah. patriotic but also especially on like the least patriotic fourth of july in the world like i didn't feel truly. one ounce of patriotism but no, you're nothing. right hamilton it was like oh okay all right yep it was like maybe i will feel this way yeah yeah oh okay okay yeah. america's not trash oh oh right yeah thanks okay yeah um 
I also finished Normal People. Beautifully Ooh, made. I won't. Yeah. I, I felt different at the end of it than I did at the end of the book, but I also read the book last summer kind of like on vacation from life. So I don't know. I thought it was very well done, but I wasn't as obsessed with it in the end as I thought I might be. Mm. Okay. Interesting. I, Good to know. What do you think? Did you not finish yet? I haven't finished it. I lost some steam. Anything. I had a moment where I was watching high quality content. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's over. <laughs> Back to just our regularly scheduled trash and needle pointing. And <gasps> needle pointing. Uh, I've been needle pointing and listening to um, some an odd M listening. I'm still listening to to some I don't know just audiobooks and podcasts and and uh staring out the window and needle pointing I don't know there it my content consumption is weird I I truly never thought I could get tired of TV uh, I just didn't think it was possible and then I guess it is <laughs> no it's 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 real I there's a podcast I recently listened to and I wanted to recommend and you know what this girl cannot remember it so she's gonna tease you with that I thought by the time I spoke I would remember it but I'm now blanking oh okay well, I like Nicole Byer's dating podcast. That's a good one. I'm like, what did I listen to in the past yeah. few days? Why won't you date me? Why won't me? you date me? Which, Hilarious. But oh my God, Kimberly Ann. Well, she um, she had on a comic who's in a wheelchair, which I thought was a really interesting conversation this past week, um, just in terms of talking about dating and, you know, the stereotypes and you know just literal logistical issues she faces like getting into certain restaurants I was that was also eye-opening but anyway what else did I listen to I will remember for next week sorry about that guys we'll get there super annoying speaking of things that we carried over from last week into this week we have an update last week we talked about um a post in our secret Facebook group from a listener who was in an early stage of dating someone who did didn't think she wanted to have kids and he really he knew he really did want to have kids and so we were having a discussion around that and during our recording uh he had messaged that he had an update if we were interested and so we have the update and Kimmy's going to read it with his permission okay so uh first and foremost he said that a lot of the comments from the Facebook group were very helpful and helped put things into perspective um, he talked to her the following evening and brought up his hesitations around, and I'm going to sort of paraphrase, around entering a relationship with someone who was uncertain about having kids in the future. They talked it over and had a really good conversation. She said she'd be open to surrogacy if it ever came to that. This is mature. Um, and then they both just agreed to focus on meeting up and crossing that bridge when they get there, which I think is super healthy. And he said that they finally met and it was a great weekend. They ate, laughed, binged an entire season of Modern Family together and ultimately reaffirmed the connection we had made online over the months of quarantine. The quarantine love is real. Oh, Um, quarantine love. Yeah. And, you know, there's so much uncertainty globally, nationally, and for me personally. But one thing I am certain of is that I feel good being with her and whatever the future holds, I want her to be in it. Also, so articulate (laughs) to this listener. Um, So we're official now. Long distance is going to suck. I hear you. It is not forever uh but it'll be worth the wait we have strong communication um and we're already making plans to meet again if circumstances allow it uh oddly enough i don't think this would have happened if it weren't for the pandemic it's one of the few good things to come out of all this so i don't know it was just a bright shining ray of hope for me and maybe all of you so oh yeah that's so great it makes me so happy it's possible it's good we talked with trey a little bit about what to do if you're getting discouraged with um, dating and quarantine. And I feel like this is a great shining example of like 
there can be this version of quarantine dating where you're forced to communicate and that's really powerful yeah and listen you know I know that Liza and I oh we're in relationships right now I I can just picture myself listening to us and being like well you don't get it It is fucking exhausting and I just want to say I hear you I feel like there's been a theme of a lot of exhausted daters and I hear you I don't blame you I'm exhausted you know quarantining generally everyone you know I I can imagine how hard hard it is and how frustrating it must feel to have this chunk of 2020 you know speaking of Nicole Byer she was she's always like 2020 was going to be in my year like I was like 2020 2020 and then look but I think it like if I were I, I just I'm trying to acknowledge how it's easy to be like yeah yeah be positive but I think when you hear Trey talk about it you actually there are things that are positive about this kind of dating, as exhausting and fucking difficult as it can be. So I think, yes, yeah. completely. If you want a little like, zh- like zhuzh yourself back to some, okay, I can do this. Like, here are the good things about this kind of meeting. Both that listener story and Trey, I think, will be really a breath of fresh air. But I also completely. hear you, and it sucks. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we give a lot of a lot of like dating negativity. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but you can feel however you feel and you can give yourself a break if you want to. Anyway, let us know if you if Trey changes your mind about that particular thing. <laughs> um, we're going to take a really quick ad break and then we're going to be back with our interview. OK, well, let's just jump right in. We have Trey Ennis here from The First Date Fix. Trey, thank you so much for being here. We are so excited to have you on. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to join the both of you lovely ladies this afternoon. Yes. Oh, we're thrilled to have you. We're going to talk all about you and first date fix and topical dating stuff today. But first, as we always do, want to ask you, do you have a worst first date story? <laughs> yeah, I do actually. And in light of recent events, it's actually very appropriate. So... Um, I took a lovely lady to the bar and after about 10 minutes of talking, she said to me, quote, unquote, you know, I usually don't date African-American men, but you know, when you said you were British, you didn't seem fuckish or anything like that. So I figured I'd give it a shot. Oh, well, thank you very much out of the kindness of your heart for giving me some of your time. I promptly went over to the bar. I didn't even ask him to come over. I signed the check, shook her hand, and, and told her to enjoy the rest of her evening. <laughs> oh, God. oh, my God. I, it's like I knew, I knew it was coming. It's, you, you know, we started having, like, worst first dates as our icebreaker. I think, sadly, like, sometimes they were just funny or someone got too drunk. But then there were all of these awful first dates that did involve someone being racist or, you know, really inappropriate. Um I'm like overtly sexist to some things where I'm just like, uh, it's, it's so gross. It just is gross. Yeah. (laughs) Looks can only get you so far, you know? Yeah. It's just, I mean, well, as it continues to whatever disgust everybody in America right now, it's like, it's very upsetting that anyone thinks those things and says them. (laughs) Yeah. It was, I can't lie. Like I literally... I went from anger to trying to keep it in to not be the obligatory aggressive guy to driving home and laughing like, oh, what the fuck? That actually happened. Oh, wait, can you swear on here? 
Oh yeah. Oh yes. All okay. the more the better. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. Good. No, I'm yeah. sorry. That's extremely disgusting. And you know, I just I I don't understand. You know, first and foremost, how people think it's okay to have these thoughts, but then to say something like that on a date, I just it's totally mind boggling. But I know it happens more often than we'd like to acknowledge or understand that it does. Um, was that where you're located now? Were you in America for that date? Yeah, I was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Well, Did you not? It is, it I was, was nuts, say, I clocked your like... American accent <laughs> in the story. It was, a, it was a good American accent. Yeah, I got it from Clueless. Uh, <laughs> shout I mean, out to Clueless. It's on Netflix right now. Do yourself a favor. Watch I, it. I watched <laughs> it the other night. I was like, that's the perfect right before bed watch. It's just like soothing. Cold. <laughs> so good. Um, no, but I, I, yeah, that was a dumb question. Of course, that was in America. Um, but yeah. Did you... <laughs> but you're dating, sorry, we were just talking about this offline. So you're dating, you've been in America for five, five years, you said, right? Yeah. And you're currently in Salt Lake City? That's correct. Okay. And what, what's the dating scene like there? Like, how would you, how would you describe <laughs> it? Oh, all the words. Um, so I think. <laughs> Dating in Salt Lake is odd because 50% of the population is Mormon. So your chances are slashed by 50% just by grace of you being there, right? Being in a vicinity, 50% of your options are gone. In addition to that, statistically, it's one of the top five worst places to date because most people by grace of the faith are married. And even those who aren't Mormon, the culture is so ingrained in that cerebral hemisphere that marriage and steady relationships and partnerships are the thing. In addition to that, because people get so married so young there, what that means is that who you end up dating is either gonna be ex-Mormon, is either gonna be divorced, or that they got married when they were 20. So the things that we were doing when we were 20, they're now doing in their early 30s. So you have to figure out if someone's trying to act like a 20 year old when you're dating them in their 30s or late 20s. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I have a couple friends or people I'm, I'm peripheral to who got married really young, and I also feel like they're not in in like the Mormon faith. Uh, but I feel like then there's also some like emotional maturing that happens later. Yeah. I mean, again, I do not want to generalize to everyone who got married young. Some of you guys are much more together than most of you guys are more together than me. But it's yeah, it's a, it seems like that could be a tricky situation to be in. It really is because it, it's odd because you sit there and, and you hear about their experiences and you think, well, bloody hell, I remember doing that in college. But then you think to yourself, oh, because they never did that in college. They went to church. They got married. <laughs> so now they're trying to experience that life. And you don't want to be caught in that crossfire. You're like, I'm not trying to date someone who's, you know, doing their thing. Like, I mean, he or she is more than welcome to do that. But leave me out of it. Like, I'm trying to date a seasoned person, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think we've talked about all different geographies in the U.S. and how everyone complains about New York dating versus L.A. dating, but I, it does sound like Salt Lake is incredibly unique. Sometimes we think, you know, all dating problems are the same everywhere, and that's true. But I I think, you know, just having so many people of the same faith in one place, yeah, that sounds challenging in certain ways. Um, 
I'm curious. So for those listeners who aren't familiar with The First Date Fix, it's an incredible follow on Instagram. We saw you in Cosmo recently, and I was like, I recognize The First Date Fix, but I hadn't <laughs> properly followed you. I think I had like seen you on a comment or something, and I was like, oh, wow, this is really great. So as a newer follower, I would just say, if you're not following right now, I'm sorry, Trey, I know you don't want me to promote you, but go follow. You have a great feed, lots of like no BS, um, great you know, first date and dating wisdom, but curious what inspired you to start your platform and do your videos and blog? Oh man. Well, this is a bit of a vulnerability here, exposure, if you will. But basically um, I had gotten out of a two and a half year relationship, you know, and I love the pants of this woman, but unfortunately it, it didn't work out. You know, we were both going two ways in regards to what we wanted in the next three years. Um, and we tried so hard to make it work, but ultimately we, we just couldn't, right? Um, and I also think, you know, she had some issues that she was going through. I had some issues. There are a lot of things I could have done better. And, you know, after that happened, I needed like a good four months to be in the wilderness, so to speak, and just find myself, right? I did a lot of hiking, you know, um, a lot of reading, and, and just I wanted to be the kind of person that I wanted to fall in love with. So I was like, okay, now I'm ready for dating. So <laughs> I got on these dating apps and I went into the dating world and I got torn apart. Like I didn't know what I was doing. Like I got finessed by a lot of free meals. Um, you know, <laughs> I just, I got played hard. And sometimes I look back and I'm like, Ooh, it was so embarrassing. But I think once that happened, I started to, you know, just read up on how dating has changed and how certain things aren't acceptable anymore. You know, being honest with exactly how you feel you know, scares people off, you know, that was a new notion to me, because the opposite used to work for me. So I read about all of those things. And it actually helped me a lot in my dating life. And I remember thinking, man, I wish, rather than me having to read all of this stuff, someone could do it for me. So I kind of went on a quest to write a book about dating, which I haven't released yet, but I'm hoping to release uh, the tail end of this year. Um, and I read over 283 articles, 44 books, um, any YouTube videos I could watch, I would. I had focus groups um, every week at Salt Lake Library. And then I was like, let me just do an Instagram, do a YouTube, and and here I am, really. Wow, that's so much research. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm curious if, like, in doing a focus group, I'm really curious about that. Um, I guess, like, were there certain unexpected findings when you were actually doing focus groups with people in terms of, you know, dating advice or themes that would stick versus like what all the books say? I think, you know, so often reading dating advice is really different than what works for people in their real lives. So I'm just curious about that focus group that you had. Uh, so you're spot on with a few things. The focus group was, was definitely different from a lot of articles because you have to look at it this way. When you're reading an article, it's either going to be by a man or a woman. And in most cases, either sex doesn't really project that objectivity and humility to say, as a sex, I might be doing it. It's either the men saying the women are terrible or the women saying men ain't shit, right? That's mm -hmm. typically how it goes. So you we've know, never read... done that on this yep, podcast. Never, no, we've I... never done it. We're so guilty. We... <laughs> I mean, I've look, been you know, we... we've been trying to check ourselves. <laughs> a lot of us ain't shit, though. I'm just going to keep it real. But for the most part, there are there are good dudes out there, right? So when you met with the when I started doing the focus groups, 
the first two months I had to tell people, look, this is not speed dating. Cause I had like two players that I didn't know were like soliciting numbers from women afterwards. And then I got oh a complaint God. because this lady said, yeah, you got my number and he sent me a dick because I was like, Who's this wank of it. What the hell? Oh, <laughs> and he was like, he was really just, he was LBS. And I was like, Oh my God. Like I could not believe it. So I had to put a disclaimer. And then I only started getting like eight to 11 people showing up until I started building a following again and it was 20 people. But what was interesting was every single time I had a focus group, the first 15 minutes would always start with men arguing that women were terrible and women arguing that men were terrible. But here's where it got really interesting. There would always be one person who was willing to be vulnerable and honest about the pain they've had or experiences and then everyone up would open, everyone else would open up and people would make a lot of strong friendships after that. Mm. It's so interesting. I mean, I feel like, and, and I'm curious as to your thoughts on this too, because I feel like a lot of times, uh, yeah, it does just take one brave person to be vulnerable. Like even in a, in a relationship, a one-to-one relationship, I always tend to think there's someone who's like more emotionally vulnerable and open and someone mm. who's less that way. Even if it's a small yeah. difference, I've always been less, I've always been the person who's less that way in, in all my relationships and I've had to be coaxed out. Um, but it's, it's wild what that will do. But I was wondering a little bit too about, do you I I feel like Americans also tend to be a little bit more on the like nothing can touch me I'm not I'm strong I'm whatever you know side do you feel like there's a difference in in vulnerability levels between Brits and Americans and again I I don't want to generalize when I say this sure. so in my experience I found that British people, we're very straightforward, right? We, you know, Americans are very much like, I want to be seen as a nice person. So I'm going to say the nicest things. And it's not fake, but if you don't live in America, it could be characterized as fake, right? Whereas British people, I wouldn't necessarily say we're vulnerable, but we're just direct. Like if, if you go on a date with a woman in London, you'd be like, yo, like, you know, what are you looking for? I'm looking for a relationship. They don't care if it scares you off. They don't care if it's not what you're looking for. They tell you because they know that's what they want. Whereas in America, you know, you're right. People are, well, you know, I've just been hurt so much. I don't know if I could possibly give anyone the time of day. <laughs> but when people say that, you can see straight through exactly what they want. The more someone protests and say, well, I'm not looking for that and blah, blah, blah. You're like, oh, man, someone hurt you bad. So there's definitely that, you know, American tough pride where nothing's going to hurt me. And, you know, it doesn't matter what happens. I'm going to be okay. But in reality, no matter how much we all protest, the fact of the matter is, is that everybody deserves and wants someone. Yes, you can be alone for the rest of your life and you could be fairly happy. But I would much rather be in a situation where I have someone to experience life with. And I think everyone else wants that too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, I feel like we talk about this all the time. It's like, you don't need... <laughs> We always are trying to tell everyone, like, you don't need a significant other, but it's, we all, yeah, we all want to be loved. We all want connection. Like, we're humans. We like hugs. <laughs> Most of us <laughs> like hugs. And, you know, uh, and especially now, I think, where people are stuck in their homes and really taking stock of their lives and what's important to them and 
what they want to change or not change about their life before this fun quarantine started. Um, do you have any any thoughts on on quarantine dating? Have you been like on the apps? So uh, I think quarantine dating is probably the best thing that could happen to dating in general for a few reasons. Number one, statistically, we have the most people online dating apps than we ever have before, right? Which means that your chances go up exponentially. I can't give you the exact number off the top of my head, but I think that's great. Number two, you don't have to rush to meet someone on that same night for drinks. So you can say, hey, let's have a video chat. So if people's conversational skills aren't up to par, then they're done. It's no longer, let's get drunk. And, you know, I may or may not like try and take you home. And it's like no pressure. You know, you've got a nice top on, but underneath you've got boxers on, right? <laughs> or like sweatpants. <laughs> so it alleviates the senses and you allow yourself to see a more authentic and genuine side of that person. And to be frank, if they have that verbosity where they could hold, hold their own. Um, and number three, it allows you to, to be far more patient on your quest. And those people who are only out, to have sex, they expose themselves, you know, like, yo, you know, you want to come over and you'd be like, wanker, this is a pandemic. <laughs> Are you not clued up here? Like people expose themselves all the time. So I think now more than ever is, is the best time to, to look for love. And it's just a question of if, you know, not when. Yeah. I think that's, it's such a good positive way to look at it. I think that it can seem like because there's not an end, especially in America, because of our toughness around not wearing masks, um, it can seem like there's no <laughs> end in sight. So what's the point of dating? But I think you bring up really good points around like we've talked about this. Like it's a great litmus test. But like the, oh, the yes. complaint. Yeah. The complaint used to always be, at least from me, when I was going on a bunch of dates for this podcast, it was like it's a night. You have to carve a night out of your life, which is, of course, great if you're looking to meet someone, but it can be difficult, especially if you within you know 10 minutes are just like this person is, you know, really not on the same page as me or racist um, or whatever it may be. So I do think, you know, there is this silver lining to being stuck at home. I'm curious for those listeners we have who have been feeling more discouraged by kind of the fatigue of being on the apps but not really having, I don't know, a real date in the future possible other than like a social distance walk, what would you – like what would your advice be for people who are feeling really frustrated by swiping mm -hmm. on the apps in quarantine? So uh, good question by the way. The, the comfort zone is is not static. It's either shrinking or it's expanding, which means that now you have to push yourself. If it's really what you want, now you have to push yourself to, to try things differently, right? So, you know, if you're feeling discouraged, you have to start being a little bit more judicious with how you essentially screen people. Now, before pandemic, you put yourself in a situation and you would say, okay, I'm going to go on maybe two dates this week and you'd carve out like two hours, including travel time and an hour per day, fine, whatever. But now you're in a situation where if someone's kind of bogus, they're giving you one word and answers and they're not really communicating, you can just wipe them off because now, you know, dating is so much harder. You have to be far more strategic, which means you're not going to put up with normal bullshit that you might have before. So it's going to allow you to really see who's for real. 
And one of the ways you can do that is really just with communication of those people that you're talking to on any dating apps, who communicates the best. It really is that simple. And just because we're in a pandemic, it doesn't necessarily mean you can't see someone face to face. It means you just have to scientifically vet them out. How many, when they say, when you say, what did you do this weekend? And it's, oh, I went to a barbecue. Like, oh, hell no. There's like <laughs> 10 people there. They're going to give it to me, right? Or if they say, I went out with a friend, one friend, you're like, okay, he or she is not really hanging out with that many people. Or I went shopping, I, I had a mask on, blah, blah, blah. You start to see that are on the same wavelength as you. Now, if you want to go even more extreme, I've heard people <laughs> say, send me a screenshot of you and a thermometer and your temperature. <laughs> oh. oh my God. That's oh, incredible. Yeah. That's high level. That's high level. But but that you can afford to do that, right? And if someone does that for you, well, hell, you know it's going to be an amazing date. They made an effort to take a picture of their temperature and send it to you because they were so excited to meet you. That's like, I was going to say romantic, and it is, but it's just, you know, <laughs> wild to call it romantic. Like, what is 2020, truly? It is. Um, well, I feel like is. romance is putting in an effort for someone. Yes. You know, that's what it's all about. It's just putting in, like, a little bit of effort. Agreed. I mean, or a lot of effort, but a little bit will do <laughs> in these tricky times we live in. Um, yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's a really good point. And I do think it's like, like I, like we were talking about earlier, like I, I, we, we do all tend to have our guards up a little bit dating online. I think not that's again, that's a huge generalization. Some people are able to not do that, but that was never <laughs> was my great skill. Um, but it's obviously hard to stay open and vulnerable, you know, dating online. But I think that this is a good opportunity to like, you cannot get caught up in like these fuck boy situationship fuck girl situationship things right now so you, like we're f kind of being forced to communicate with each other and mm. it does seem to be like a real opportunity especially to practice communicating if you're not great at it 100 percent. and and think i i said this to one of my friends yesterday because he said you know quote unquote he's, he's going for a dick appointment um, and I said, I don't know if you're supposed to say that because, I mean, as far as I know, you're straight. So unless you're getting dicked down, you might want to change that, that phrase. But <laughs> my, my, point, my point being is that I, I said to him, bro, you're mad. Like, this is, this is now the time where you should not be fucking around because if she's doing the same thing, whoever else is involved in this menagerie, you're all going to pass it to each other. So... You know, you just have to be judicious with who you drop in your pants all these days. Sorry, kids. Yeah, yeah it's totally. so real. It's, uh, yeah, it's so scary. I mean, uh, the world is just broadly so scary right now. I but mean, you could get a COVID test and then quarantine until you got the results and then go for your dick appointment. But <laughs> that's, you got to really, really want it at that point, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, true. And I... Going forward, you know, I guess this is this could be a two part question. We talked a little bit about it before, but you know, thinking about how we did like a whole episode breaking down what how we thought first dates might be different in the future because of COVID. But I think also the second part of that is, you know, as things change in this country in regards to Black Lives Matter, and you know, I think 
we have a very long way to go, but I think people are finally, white people are finally at least acknowledging and reckoning um, the systemic racism in this country. I'm curious, this is like now a massive question, but there, I guess I'm curious how you think one, the pandemic might affect dating in the future when things are more normal. And then two, just how, you know, everything in regards to, yeah, a modern civil rights movement that we're having in this country might impact dating as well. So I, I think that the interesting thing about race of, of any kind, right, is people don't talk about it because it's seen as some sort of pseudo political subject, which is nuts because you wake up and you think, is my skin color politics? I don't see Trump anywhere, right? <laughs> or, any other, or any other president. So it's mad when you think about that. But now we're in a situation where all of these discussions are happening for better or worse. I, I've heard of a lot of friends saying they unfriended their grandpa on Facebook or they've gotten into arguments with people in the store and stuff like that. So, you know, it's getting worse before it gets better. But with it getting worse, we're seeing a lot more conversations, which means that people who typically said my preference is A, B and C, which, by the way, everyone's still OK to have their dates and preference. Now they might be opening up their pond to say, well, I'm going to date everyone now because that's just kind of how we're rolling. And I don't think it's you're a racist person if you have your own preference, but I do think these conversations are opening people up to other options. In addition to that, perhaps people who are in, and I hate saying this word, but interracial relationships, they're having conversations that they possibly haven't really had before. So, you know, I think it's opened up the discourse and I think it's expanded people's minds and it's allowed people to be a bit more conscious of things that they thought were okay because you know look at me right I'm 31 so I've grown up in a weird tangent where I was too young to see the 80s racism right and I grew up thinking it was a post-racial world right but I think a lot of people around my age are realizing holy shit I don't think it's as good as I was taught in school I don't think it's as good as the media's told me or the movies, right? Where you're seeing actors like Will Smith and Denzel Washington and Michael B. Jordan, like everyone's got representation. But in reality, as it turns out, there's still a lot of conversations and things we need to improve. Yeah, it's funny because we're all the exact same age. Well, I'm 32, but only recently. But we're, we're all the same <laughs> That's age. That's awesome. <laughs> but, uh, but I feel like, you know, I've, I've had similar um, thoughts, which I'm now embarrassed about. And I realize it speaks to so much of my own ignorance and like the bubble I grew up in that like, you know, there, there are, we did grow up in this, this little moment where we somehow were like allowed to not allowed to ignore it, but there was some ignorant, there were a lot, a lot of ignorance that, like we said, it's like a reckoning now, but um yeah, I get hopeful that people, you know, we've we've heard a lot about racism on dating apps and um, like we've had listeners write in about like your first worst first date, like really, really horrible experiences. And if <laughs> obviously there's bigger things than dating that hopefully will improve from this moment, but it would be nice if dating stuff also. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I situations like this, it allows you to, you know, take out, like I said, those negative options in the sense that. You know, I've said to some people, you know, hey, what, what do you uh, think about the Black Lives Matter movement? Do you know what I mean? Just because I would never have said that before, right? Because I'm not trying to scare people off. But I feel like myself and a lot of other people of color 
and Caucasian people, you know, we're emboldened now. The conversations are happening, so we're more, we're far more brave to have those conversations. And I think what's good about this civil rights movement, at least to me, I feel like I'm more hypersensitive of anyone else now, right? In the sense that I'm black, I deal with this on a daily basis. But because now we're having these conversations, if anyone's saying anything about the LBGTQ community, I'm there. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I'm stepping in. I'm gonna drop my groceries wherever this man or woman is is re receiving this abuse. I'm over there. If anyone's Hispanic and someone's telling them to go back to their country, I'm there. Do you see what I'm saying? So for me, it hasn't just made me hypersensitive for me, but it's made me more hypersensitive to say the same kind of support and love that I've gotten. It's my duty to do that to any other disfranchised uh, person. You know, if there's a woman at work where she complains to me and says, I don't feel like I've gotten this promotion because of the woman, then I would probably go to that manager as a man, use my male privilege and say, hey, what's going on? She has five more years of experience. My point being now is that I think it goes far deeper than civil rights now. I think it's encompassing for everyone. Yeah. That was a lot. Oof. No, that. but it was, I mean, it's powerful. It's... Again, Liza and I fancy ourselves like liberal women, but we're white women with a whole bunch of privilege. And this has been, you know, even just the privilege around like when I first went on a bunch of dates for this podcast, I didn't have to deal with as – and of course, as a woman, I always whined about plenty of shitty experiences on dating apps. But I, I didn't have to deal with so much that, you know, our, some of our listeners have had to deal with, just other marginalized groups have had to deal with. And I think your point mm -hmm. about – when you take a moment and either you feel like, like I think, I'm sorry, I'm like trying to word this well because they're completely different experiences. But for me as a white woman who's often complained about the patriarchy and male privilege, it's been really humbling and important for me to kind of see what's going on in this country and what my black friends have felt and I haven't acknowledged kind of through the same lens or a similar lens as when I'm talking to like a man about male privilege who's just not getting it. Like I think we all have these right. experiences. Like it's so hard for me to word because I don't want to say that the experiences are the same at all. But just if everyone could just get into each other's shoes a little bit more. Think of the one time you even like straight white man somewhere in America who's angry. Like think about why a time you felt marginalized in whatever way shape or form that was and then like try to get into other people's experiences from that because and again I'm now babbling and ruining your great beautiful point but I just think you know we can all help each other out um and that's been really eye-opening for me I've just been shocked at how I guess willfully ignorant I've been until this moment um so yeah. it's, it's interesting you say that because um I was talking to a female friend about this um, the other day and I think every experience is different but I also think there's certain rebuttals that are comparable against sexual orientation sex in general um, and race right for example you know you would always get someone in your case you're a woman right you would always get someone if you say well statistically more men are in leadership roles than women you'd always get some dickhead who said well let me play devil's advocate you know what are the other women doing? You know, where did they get their research from? I'd like to look at that article and cite their sources. I know what that feels like because I've had dickheads when you turn around and say, well, you know, people of color are getting disproportionately racially profiled. They say, well, where, where did you get those sources? I'd like to see that article as well, you know, just curious. 
what do you think about A, B, C, and D? So even though it's not the exact same situation, you get the same sort of unacceptance and rebuttals. I think that's why it's always so easy for me to relate to other people in that respect, because we deal with the same bullshit with what people are saying to us. Yeah. And when you said just curious, the just curious person, just that I've seen (laughs) on the internet of late, just like, just curious, can I chime in here? It's like, just, it's not the time. Like, unless you're contributing (laughs) something meaningful, let's not like, let's think about it another way. Like, uh, anyway, sorry. Yeah. I was triggered. Fuck (laughs) off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's good. I mean, it's, it's, we're we're whatever very glad to to get your perspective on it because yeah it's it's something we're we're trying to like uh realize more about our our blind spots we've had this dating podcast for a long time and like we said it's also just like great to talk to a a man and be reminded that like we are we do all tend to see things like you were saying in your focus groups, like the focus groups were good because men see things from their perspective. Women see things from their perspective. We are like two ladies who talk about dating and there are moments where we complain about men a lot, even though we're both like dating very, very good men. <laughs> you know, they obviously have like real life examples of being good, but it's um, it's yeah, it's so important in all things dating to just be like, can we be empathetic here? <laughs> it's it's understandable, right? Like your perception is your reality. Why on earth would you be able to talk from the perspective of a man? Because you're not a man, right? Like it's okay to have grievances about dumb things that men do because we live in a world where we are all about equality, right? And hell, I'm fucking for it as much as we can take it, right? However, men and women are always going to be different for the most part, right? And that's why we're attracted to each other. And I think it's okay to sometimes feel indifferent about something that you're just not necessarily biologically wired to, to think that way, right? And I think even though we're, we're in a equality kind of state, which we should be, it's still okay to acknowledge those differences. For example, as for me, I could turn around as a man and say, well, I don't quite fully understand where she's coming from because I'm not a woman but I can be there for her as much as I can and ask to listen, right? When in regards to being an ally in that respect. Yeah. It, yeah. Totally. We also in our, it, it's interesting. Um, in our secret Facebook group, we also had someone post, she was like, I went on my boyfriend. I went on my boyfriend's old app. I redownloaded it. And he's like <clears throat> a catch, but not in a dramatic way. She was like with him. Cause he said it was always so hard oh. for him. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. Let me preface it. I'm screwing over. <laughs> oh, so she asked her boyfriend. They like did it as an experiment, and she wrote this post that you know we won't read right now because it's long, but we will share in the podcast. Um, but basically, the shortened version was just like she was like, "It's really hard out there. It's equally hard." And she's like, "He's a catch. I'm dating him. He's super cute. He like is really nice." But that it's you know it's not just you know, a gendered thing, like having a hard time on dating apps. And our we have many female listeners, but we do have male listeners, some of whom are just like amazing emailers and send us their experiences. And a bunch of them commented on that post being like, yeah, it's really, again, to like the, I guess the thesis of this episode, especially for me, it's like all these things that I see only through my own lens, like dating is hard for women. It's not the only true thing at all. It could be hard for me, but it's also hard for men and etc. So I don't know. I just I, th- I think we all are. I hope we all as kind of a generation of daters 
can just start to be more open-minded and kind to each other as we do this weird online dating thing. Yeah, I, I concur. By the way, shout out to you two for finding great men. You know what I mean? You're giving us hope. You're giving all of us hope. Uh, but I, I agree. I, I think that our generation is going to be the turning point because we are at such an awkward situation where we kind of cross over to modern, you know, alleviating gender roles, day based dating, right? But then we also are kind of coming in at that, you know, we know what ladies and gentlemen are, right? So we're kind of progressive, you know, we don't buy into gender roles, but then we also, you know, people want to be treated, you know, women want to embrace their feminine, right? Like women would like a, a gentleman to, you know, do a couple of things romantic, you know, in, in certain situations. So we're in a situation where we're trying to meld the both of them together. And I think the generation after us is going to have the perfect mix, I hope. But we're still trying to figure it out, I feel like. I God, Gen Z is just the best. <laughs> like, everything about Gen Z is I'm kind of obsessed with right now. Um, Same. I'm but, very bullish on Gen Z. I'm like, yeah, you changed the world because we fucked up on that one. Yeah, the millennials can't. We can't. <laughs> we can't do it. We're not. We got we to keep we're not, <laughs> we're not together enough. But yeah, it's funny because I feel like it's, you know, it's nice to be dating in these times because we can abandon the stuff about gender roles that sucks like i think men now feel more comfortable being vulnerable and open and being like i feel yeah. hurt because you did like it like saying they're feeling sometimes and women feel like you know okay we d we can i can uh swear and talk about farting which is like a big important thing <laughs> and to to me to be able to speak about um but it's true because th there are moments where i'm like it, it is hard to to embrace things about our genders and like see those differences as like powerful and mm. actually a big a big like I think a lot of a lot of things about being a woman are like a superpower and I feel that way about my partner as well like about his, his some of the things about him that I find really like masculine um and it's fun to have those differences, especially when we're both like neurotic Gemini New Yorkers uh, and like have a lot of things in common. So, yeah, I feel like re-embracing those things is fun, but also we we all veered away from it for such a long time. Yeah. No, you, you hit the nail on the head. Sincerely. OK, what's this is a little bit of a shift. <laughs> But I've been thinking about this in um, in these conversations. So you made a video about selfish dating that I really, really mm -hmm. loved. And I feel like this kind of speaks to that. You're the, correct, me if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but the kind of thesis of that video was basically that, uh, you know, we've all been kind of embracing this mentality of like dating's a personal journey. It's about me. It's about my wants and needs, whatever. And and you make the point like that's kind of selfish. There's two people involved and you owe some level of human decency to the people you meet online, even if they are fairly anonymous. <laughs> um, so so, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Like, how do you how do you feel people have kind of failed the people they're they're dating online? So I, I feel like there's there's two components to it. Right. So there's there's this weird baseline. All right, there's three components. So whenever you watch a movie, right, and there is a guy who is a CIA agent or he's James Bond or he's, you know, Tom Cruise, Mission Impossible, right? They smoke out these henchmen with machine guns and blah, 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 right, in every scene. 
And you think to yourself, you know, that henchman probably has kids. He's probably just working <laughs> a nine to five. He probably doesn't even know that his boss is going to do a nuclear explosion, right? So they are faceless kills. And that same mentality is given to people at the bars and people on dating apps. I remember where the last person I was in a relationship with, I met her at a bar, right? And she said, to be honest, I didn't even take you seriously till the first date because I thought you were just a guy at the bar. I was a faceless person to her, right? Luckily, she was an amazing woman that still gave me that respect. But the same is being applied to people on dating apps. I can't see them. I can't hear them. So they are just a faceless person. And unfortunately, for people who have a lot of attention, their mind, they're kind of like squirrels. So they feel like, okay, well, I haven't even met them. So I can just unmatch and vanish, which is really sad. Because imagine if you're that guy or girl on the other side and you say, we still good for today? And they're gone. You're like, oh, shit, they don't match me. And we had planned the date. Furthermore, if you're in a situation where someone has taken an hour of their time and it could have just been a 20 minute trip or a half an hour trip or a 40 minute train ride. And if you're not feeling it, you know, like I said, you were well within your rights on the first date to ghost, but I wouldn't go that route. I would at least say, Hey, thank you so much for a great time. And if they solicited and said, would you like to go again? You can just say, you know what? Like, I, I feel like we'd just be good as friends and leave it there. Because the moment you tell someone specifically why you don't want to see them again, you're going to get outrage abuse or they're going to tell you all the reasons why what you're saying isn't true and how much of a great guy they are <laughs> that's such a good point about not leaving a specific reason I love that I think that's like because it I've gotten well how specific nothing cruel cruel but it really hurts getting turned down for a second date no matter what and I just remember I think my biggest pet peeve in dating was kind of I didn't even ask for a second date it was just like like I said, thanks for the date. And then I got back a great, great. Uh, I I just, I don't think like we're on the same path right now. And it's like, you met me for one date. Like, don't, don't. It made me angry, even though I pretend that I'm. Yeah, it's not that deep. Yeah. It's just like, okay, you didn't feel it. But I really like that. You don't need to get specific. Like, absolutely not. But you can just still be clear. You can be clear yeah. without being cruel. I don't know. I really like that. No, 100%. Yeah. Any Any communication is good communication. Yeah. I also really Completely. like, you know, this is, you know, separate advice so we can go back to what we were just talking about. But um, listen to our podcast. So, so formal and produced. Um, but I, you have feelings on text and when you should text versus get on the phone, especially around, you know, more complicated emotional issues, um, which I agree with. I have gotten caught up in texting things in my life that were far too emotionally driven to be happening so just curious yeah what is your for our listeners who haven't followed you kind of when when should we not be texting um this is not really first date but so I think you know to me when I think about texting someone who I'm either dating or in a relationship with it's the basics like hope you have a great day at work you know Maybe it's two o'clock in the afternoon, like, hey, you know, how's work and getting on? You know, just brief touch-ins, if that's the kind of communication that you've both uh, agreed on. You know, hey, I'm 10 minutes away. Hey, did you want me to bring over some, you know, Doritos for the movie? Hey, I saw that the weather's going to be, you know, really crazy. Like, should I bring A, B, and C? That's really what texting is. Now, if you're in a situation where you feel hurt and they just left, do not text them. 
I just feel really hurt about that conversation you had because that's going to go way out of control. Mm -hmm. You were spot on. Anything to do with emotions, you call the person. Anything to do with possible dumping, you call the person. Anything to do with family concerns, you know, racial concerns, political concerns, anything that you know might spiral out of control, you need to call that person. Such good advice. It's It seems simple, but it nobody – again, myself included, I feel like that's not our in- impulse, even though we are old millennials, um, not Gen Zs, but we, I still it just, it's, it was always kind of texting first, especially in relationships that were honestly never going to work out anyways. It's funny. Yeah. yeah. Well, I feel like I always was thought if I called a guy, I was going to f- scare him, which is a red flag. <laughs> like it's it like if I was dating the type of guys who are going to be scared by me calling them instead of texting. I mean, this is also what I was younger and yada 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 more insecure but um but yeah I mean I think it's it's so easy I do this still to get into little butt-headed text fights and there's just no reason and then you can go and read the receipts and get mad again (laughs) (laughs) you know when you're reviewing the fight (laughs) oh my god what you said it's so painfully spot on. I look back and I'm like, ooh, cringe, I've done that. You said this and here's a screenshot. You yes. Me. You show your friend, you text to your mom. Whatever. Oh, man. Oh, man. Or you accidentally it's... screenshot and te- text it back to that person. Hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, no. That's torture. Ugh. Yeah. Um, well, Trey, before we wrap up, I am curious in all of the research you've done, if there's kind of one piece, this is, again, I've been asking these annoying questions, but if there's one piece of dating advice and you don't have to have, you know, you can have more than one, but one piece of dating advice that has been really resonant for you in your own, you know, you give a lot of dating advice, but if there's one piece of dating advice that you just really hold close to your heart and your experiences. I would probably say, and I've lamented on this in a few posts, but I would say forgive 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 you know our generation we're fucking brutal man there's so many posts saying if they do this block them cut them off they ain't shit it probably wasn't gonna work out anyway it wasn't a good match i'm like did you even try and repair it like and i've been guilty of this and the best relationships i've ever had have one stemmed from a lot of forgiving and a relationship that i lost was because i wasn't forgiven Right. And I know that I could have done a significantly better job because I realized that a lot of the problem was me. But because we are burdened by glorious opportunity and we have so many options, we're not willing to forgive because we feel like the next person isn't going to do what the previous person made a mistake on. And here's where it gets interesting. They might not make that mistake, but they sure as hell are going to make another mistake in a different area, which means we go through this horrible cycle of getting into big arguments and never moving on because we feel like that's not my match. The next man or woman that I get with, they're not going to do that. It's just terrible. So forgive, 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 forgive. Yeah. Unless they're uh, abusive, uh, physically abusive and, you know, felonies, just don't forgive that. You don't want to date a criminal. (laughs) Totally. I think, you know, it's, it's a really good reminder, even for me in my relationship, it's just so easy for me to be hard headed like an American. Uh, But just, Forgiving even small things, I don't know, rather than harping on them. Just it's really good advice. Yeah, especially when you see so many people dating who – I almost feel like there's like a – oh, 
a desire to look for reasons to write people off. And, you know, I think it's we're all trying to protect ourselves. We're all putting our hearts on the line and it's hard and scary, whatever. But I think there's a thing like, oh, well, he doesn't eat sushi i don't know i'm just trying to, <laughs> trying to think about just the most <laughs> random deal breaker just you know and there's that's such a great way to lose out on connecting with people who are cool because yep, no one's perfect you know really no one is perfect you know i look back and on things that i was pig-headed about and i'm always like oh shit it really wasn't that deep when i think about it yeah oh well <laughs> you know so you just, you really have to forgive and you look at some of the strongest relationships you have and you know for a fact the reason why they got there is because they've had to forgive each other a lot and re-choose each other again and again because, you know, after those three or four months, they're going to do shit that you just don't like, that you find really annoying and you have to choose, okay, is snoring something that I want to live with for the rest of my life or can I just realize that I probably do some dumb shit that she doesn't like and I need to get over it, right? Or if you know, my partner got drunk and said something shitty about my dress, you know, is it a reflection of them or were they just drunk? And to be honest, they didn't like the dress in the first place, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's such, totally. I'm just sitting here nodding because I'm like, yep, all yep. the little yep. fights I still <laughs> get in, I need it. to yep. not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Trey, thank you so much. This was so great. Thank you for, you know, being here and sharing your wisdom with us. Um, yeah, I wish I had a podcast because then I could uh, bring you two on there and I'd, I'd love to pick your brain because I feel like we, we vibe on a lot of the same things and I obviously need to learn from you two because you're, you're living that life, that partnership life, which sounds amazing. <laughs> well, <laughs> it took this podcast for me to live that partnership life, finally. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, um, I think you could have a podcast. I would listen. like For sure. We would, yeah. And then we would totally yeah. go on. <laughs> fully uh, and please come back and and be guest again when you release your book or anytime yes <laughs> we're yeah. here every week and i'm flattered <laughs> honestly just flattered and grateful that that you two chose to to ask me so thanks again oh it's been so oh, great gosh, talking to you. you and let everyone know where they can find you we'll link it in the show notes but if you want to shout out yeah uh find me on at the first date fix i have a pinterest which i update quite regularly actually um on my youtube as well which no one really goes there anymore but hey fuck it you could add me there or on YouTube and would just love to you know share with you guys some stories and, and help you with any relationship or dating issues you might have amazing oh, thank, thank you, you so much Trey all right thanks again cheerio ladies thank bye you.